Hi, this is Pastor Nelson Mercado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast from the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. I hope you are blessed by today's message. Let us bow our heads this time. Father, we are about to open your word. And again, we pray that you will give us uh, the wisdom and understanding and open our minds and our hearts to what you have to say, for it is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, this year has gone by quickly, hasn't it? Isn't it something? It's already October 21st, or 31st, yeah, 21st, the end of the month. And, uh, you know, some of, some of you may be saying, well, thank God this year is almost over. It's been a crazy year so far. And, of course, uh, what's on everybody's mind right now and uh, the talk in the news is, is the election. It's on Tuesday. So on, on Tuesday, the citizens of this country will either decide to keep the 45th president of the United States or elect a 46th president. And, and, but as, as you probably have heard, I think by this time, some 80 million people have already voted. Something like that, yeah, it's, it's just amazing. So some people obviously have made their choice already about who's going to be uh, the president if, if the one we have continues or we have a new one. Uh, you know, it's been a very contentious election season, hasn't it? Like many before them, but, you know, uh, for some, this, this election season is the most important of their lives or, or, or the countries or the history of our country. Again, they say that at every election season, but this time around, you know, we have indeed seen some, some interesting things, especially this year, some controversial social issues, and, and, and the biggest thing uh, is the COVID-19 situation, which, you know, we were hoping that by now would have been a thing in the past months ago, and yet it seems, uh, as you, if you're listening to the news, and it's getting worse, and so this has been part of the political scene, you know, and, and you know, as far back as I remember, because, you know, it's very contentious, when I was a, a teenager, I, I, I always, um, even as a teenager, well, we lived in Puerto Rico, I, I always liked to be involved in politics, I always wanted to be in, and, and voice my opinion, even as a teenager, my experience, though, while I was in Puerto Rico, is that in Puerto Rico, the elections were always a big contention, big arguments, big fights. It was always like that. And, and it was for months. I mean, you had people with cars and speakers and you're growing around the neighborhoods and insulting the other candidate. And it was just crazy. And, and so my, from my perspective, at least back then, I always admired the election season in the United States because it seemed like even though there's two sides, Everybody's very cordial. Everybody's very nice. At least that's the way I used to see it. But, but that's not the case anymore, is it? That's not the case. Maybe it was like that, but it isn't the case anymore. And, and you know, one thing that I have noticed, I, I noticed it back when I was a teenager and certainly notice it today, is that politics have a way of bringing the worst in people out. Isn't that true? Maybe you've seen that. Now, uh, about a month ago, I, I actually posted this on my Facebook page. There's an article in the in, uh, uh, publication Adventist Today, okay? And the title of the article is How Politics is Destroying Adventism and Maybe All Christianity. That's the title of the article. And I, I shared it on my Facebook page. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to do so. 
Again, Adventist today, how politics is destroying Adventism and maybe all of Christianity, and it's really eye-opening. But I want to share with you two, uh, two statements here from that article. Uh, the, the author, uh, Steve Moran, he talks about morality in the current political scene. This is what he says. Right now, today, both sides in the American political contest explicitly support positions that are blatantly and obviously in opposition to what Jesus taught. The list on both sides is long. Here's one example. Liberals say that they support religious freedom, but then they want to crush religious practices that they deem to be immoral. Conservatives say they support religious freedom, but are pleased to insert God into inappropriate places. Both sides of the aisle. Now, the next thing he shares, and this is, some, this is where I, I, I've actually noticed this. This has been uh, a source of frustration for me personally. But it's true. Maybe you've noticed the same thing. Notice what he says. I'm completely baffled by the Facebook posts and comments I see. Not just from people who say they are followers of Jesus, but even from pastors and thought leaders. Some of these people are spending what must be hours a day feeding their hate for the other side. Some appear to be reading every nasty, unchristian thing they can and then posting as many as 10 to 20 articles in a single day. And maybe you've noticed this. Hopefully you're not among those participating of this. But this is the reality. And think about it, it, this is an Adventist publication, so if he's saying this, he's saying this is what he's noticed in the Adventist churches. Politics has a way of bringing out the worst in people. And, and because of this, some, some people think or, or say, well, you know, maybe as Christians we shouldn't be part of politics. Or specifically, maybe Seventh-day Adventists shouldn't have no place in the political scene, whether it's running for office or, or supporting those who are running. And, and many quote... Uh, Ellen White. Ellen White in gospel work. In fact, I think Mark Anthony shared this last week. But uh, Ellen White in uh, Gospel Workers, page 391, notice what she says. Those who teach the Bible in our churches and our schools are not at liberty to unite in making apparent their prejudices for or against political men or measures. We cannot safely or with safety take part in any political scheme. Now notice, she doesn't say that we should not have an opinion on politics. She doesn't say that we should not uh, uh, um, carry our, our civic duty and vote on, on politics. What she says, though, is that we should not make apparent our prejudices in the political scene because there's no safety in it. You know, again... Because politics has, has the ability to bring out the worst in people. And, and if, if there's any politician watching this, you'll have to forgive me. But it would seem to me that if you are going to be a successful politician in this country, you have to learn to compromise and deceive. It's just the way it is. And it's on both sides of the aisle. If you don't compromise and lie, you're not going to make it as a politician. That's what we're seeing. This is why uh, back in 2016, you may remember, 
that Ben Carson was running for president. Ben Carson, a prominent Seventh-day Adventist man, uh, and those who know Ben Carson see him as a Christian, a man with good character. People would ask me, Pastor, what do you think about Ben Carson running for president? And I, I, I would tell him, I hope that he doesn't win. Because if he does, it will ruin him. And back in the day, this was many years ago, I remember uh, where we live in Philadelphia, there was a man who was very well known. He was a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. In fact, I, I remember we visited one church uh, one day, and he was there in our Sabbath school class. He was a councilman and, become, and became the mayor of, of Philadelphia. And I'm not going to go into details, but the kind of things that he did while he was mayor is very, well, was very unchristian. And so again, this is, this is what we have. This is what happens out there. But again, of course, we, we do have a responsibility, a civic duty, and everybody has to follow their conscience as to how far they go. But unfortunately, we are stuck with two people, with two choices to make. And much has been said about the character of both. And I think, and I think that it's safe to say that neither of them is an example of morality that we should follow. Neither of them. Yeah. Well, you know, we have two choices. We have to choose, don't we? Now, some may say, well, we don't have to choose. We, we can decide not to uh, participate, not to vote. And, and that, in a sense, is a choice. Others will say, again, it's your responsibility. It's your duty as American. Now, as Americans, we have the privilege of choosing our leaders. Those of you who come from different countries know, know that not every country, not in every country, its citizens have that ability uh, and blessing that to be able to choose their leaders. Choice is a blessing. Choice is a blessing. The words of Eleanor Roosevelt ring true. She said, one's philosophy is not best expressed in words. It is expressed in the choices one makes. In the long run, we shape our lives and we shape ourselves. The process never ends until we die. And the choices we make are ultimately our responsibility. As Americans, we have the freedom of choice. But more importantly, God has created us with the freedom to choose. And when this election season is over... And everybody will say probably, thank God when it's over, and we were hoping that it'll be over on November 3rd, but you probably have heard that, you know, they'll say maybe, you know, for weeks or even months, we won't know who, who won. So it, it, this is going to be extended, and who knows how contentious it will become after November 3rd. But when this election is over, when, when you have made your choice, your responsibility to choose will not end. We have to consistently make the right choices. And some of the choices that we make, like uh, Mr. Roosevelt said, will shape your life in this world. And I will submit to you that the choices that you make will also shape your life in the eternal world. So what kind of choices are you making? What choices have you already made? What choice? Who you will, will you choose to guide your life? Let's open our Bibles to Joshua 24. Joshua chapter 24, and just as a little bit of background, by this time, the children of Israel had already crossed into the promised land. 
By this time, the land had already been divided. All the tribes had gotten their allotment, and now there was peace throughout the land. Joshua, their leader, was now old, and he was, uh, uh, um, you know, he was about to die. He knew it. And so he gathers all the tribes of Israel in a, place, in a city called Shechem. This is a city located some 35 miles north of Jerusalem. And there he delivered what has been called the covenant at Shechem. He delivers there a brief summary of their history uh, from the time God called Abraham to, to, to their time in Egypt to the desert and now finally in the promised land. We read in Joshua 24, 13, verse 13. I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build. And you dwell in them, you eat of, their vineyard, of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. These are the words of God. God telling them, look what I have done for you. Look at all that you have now. Look at all this. You haven't done anything. You haven't worked for any of this, but it is yours. You're dwelling in in powerful, mighty mighty cities. You did not build them, but now they're yours. You're you're living in them. This is in spite of them. Because you think about it, all the headaches that God had with the children of Israel until they made it to the promised land. And because God knows everything, he knows the bigger headaches he's going to have afterwards. But in spite of this, God shows them grace. Isn't that something? We can say the same thing about us. If we were to sit down and start to write all those things that God has given us, as God has done for us in spite of ourselves, we have a very long list. But that is grace. God has shown us grace. He showed grace to the children of Israel. Because God had been gracious to them, he says, uh, uh, Joshua goes on to say in verse 14, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. You would have think that by this time, the children of Israel would have learned their lesson. And so Joshua, you know, says, this is what God has done. This is how gracious he's been to you. Therefore, because God has done this for you in spite of yourself, serve the Lord. Serve him with sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods. You know, think about it. By, By this time, again, they were still serving the gods of their fathers. In the promised land. And still doing it. And so they're there at Shechem. Now Shechem, this place where they were there, was the same place where Jacob uh, had put away the strange gods that were in his family. And Genesis 35 says that they, that they buried under an oak tree. It's interesting that's the same place now that Joshua's telling the children of Israel, put away your false gods. The Israelites may have preserved, looks like, some of the idols of the now conquered Canaanites. They conquered the Canaanites, and so now they saw some of these idols. They they kept it for themselves, and now they were at at a risk of uh, regarding these with reverence. The tendency toward idolatry began to develop in and continued to be a marked characteristic of the people in the wilderness. And Joshua knew that, that even now idolatry was secretly practiced in their hearts in spite of the fact that the Israelites had made a verbal declaration, oh, we're going to follow the Lord. 
easy to say things, right? Sometimes our actions show differently. And you know, many today, many who today make high pretensions of Christianity, like the Israelites, cherish some secret idol in their hearts. And unless that idol is put away, it will prove to be a ruin for the Christian life. You can count on it. If you keep it, it's going to destroy you. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of God. I've told you this before because in spite of me, in spite of who I am, in spite of the times I have messed up many, many times, God continues to bless me. He continues to take care of me. He continues to pursue me. He wants to spend eternity with me in heaven. And he wants the same thing for you. I'm in awe of God. That's grace. Yeah. And so God, God could have made the Israelites obey him, right? He could have. He is God. He is the creator of heaven and earth. There's nothing impossible for him. And he can do the same for us. But he gives them a choice. He gives them a choice. Verse 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord your God, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods with which your father serve that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh, friends, if all of us would say that, if all of us could say that, that it doesn't matter what happens around the world, no matter what my family does, no matter what my friends do, no matter, no matter what other members of the church do, I am going to serve the Lord. That's what Joshua's saying. He's painting a contrast, a contrast between God and the false gods previously worshipped by the Israelites themselves, and now they're continuing to worship the gods of the enemy uh, that they just conquered. The thought that serving God, think about it, uh, the irony, uh, that, that the thought of serving God would be undesirable, that the, that the thought of serving God would be evil, and it's pure irony uh, concerning all the things that God had done for them and that Joshua had just reminded them of. They had to choose. God would not force them. Serving God had to come from their hearts. We ha- it has to come from our hearts, the service of our God. Yeah. The necessity of, cho- of choosing, though, is no less real and no less ironic for Israel than it is for us today. Now, just like then, those who sensitively reflect on what God has done and continues to do in our lives cannot do other than to choose loyalty to God. That's the logical thing. God has done all this for us. We don't deserve it. Why would we make, uh, make any other choice? But God is calling us. You need, you need to choose. And he told that to the, to, the, to the Israelites. And notice how they respond. This is verses 16, uh, 16 uh, through 18. So notice, remember, uh, Joshua asked them, listen, you need to choose. Make the choice. So the people, this is verse 16 through 18, the people answered and said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he is he who brought us and, and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who, who, who did those great uh, sights in our sight, signs in our sight, and, sir, and preserved us in all the way that we went and, and among all the people through whom we passed, and drove uh, out bef- uh, from before us all the people 
including the Amorites who dwell in the, in the land. We will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Amen. That's the response you wanted to get. Oh, but God knows our hearts. Joshua knew too. Joshua had been with them, you know, 40 years, more than 40 years at this time. He knew the hearts of these people. So notice how Joshua responds. Because, you know, they said, yeah, okay, yeah, you, we have to make a choice. Where, you know, it makes sense. God did all this for us, so we're going to, absolutely, we're going to serve the Lord. Verse 19 and 20, but Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve other gods. Then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. Because you see, actions speak louder than words, and this is really the challenge. See, the challenge that God, that, that that Joshua had given them was a practical one because it, 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 is, it was a challenge that must be shown by their actions because actions speak louder than words. See, it wasn't enough for them to voice their vote. Oh, yeah, we're going to vote for God. He's the man. And that wasn't enough. They had to show it by their actions. And in this case, they had to show it by putting away the gods that they were worshiping. If they didn't, if they didn't put away those, those gods, God would not believe them because their actions were speaking contrary to what they said. They had to put away their gods. And you know, sometimes I wonder if God believes us. Does God believe us of the choices that we made? Have we convinced him of our choice? Or could it be that it is possible that in spite of what God has done for us, we still have chosen the gods of this world. You know, the God of money, the God of work, the God of entertainment, the God of worldly achievement, the God of anything that gets in the way from us serving the Lord. The God that, that takes away our time, that, the time that belongs to God and God alone. Have we convinced him? Because you see, friends, sometimes... In spite of what's happening around us, I think that we're still blind to the times that we're living in. And our choices, the priorities we make in our lives show that. Because if any, if, 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 if at any time before, I mean, we've always said that Jesus is coming soon, right? We've been talking about that forever, right? 170 years of our, the, the, the start of, our, of this Advent movement. But if, if, if the events of this year have, have done anything, they should make, make you understand that, oh, this is really coming, coming true. This is really happening soon. And you know, one of the, one of the reasons I know this, or I, I, I proclaim this, and I had a conversation with another member of the church uh, a week ago or so, is that Satan is working overtime to discredit the Advent message. Have you seen that? Because you know, part of the, you know, what we need to be doing, this is what God expects from us, is to proclaim the present truth message around the world. Because there's power in the Word of God. If we present the, God, the Bible truth, it's gonna, you know, the Bible says it will not come back uh, uh, empty-handed, right? 
But what Satan has been doing is discrediting Adventists and their message. So you remember, um, uh, and I, mes- I mentioned this before, that the whole issue of uh, the, the, the nuclear attack on Nashville, remember how that connect- was connected to Seventh-day Adventists? Of course, that didn't happen. And what, what, what ends up happening is those people that maybe are not part of our church that are reading this article, oh, that's connected to Seventh-day Adventists. So what happens is that what, when Adventists are out there proclaiming the truth or proclaiming the evangelistic meetings, present truth, they're, they're going to care. Oh, those are the Adventists. They're going to make that connection. Oh, those are the Adventists. You know those crazy people that said that, that the nuclear attack was going to happen? That's what they're going to say. That's not true. We, we, we absolutely you know, came out and said this, these people have nothing to do with us. But Satan knows they're not going to listen to us. Immediately they're going to make connection with it. More recently, one of our church members uh, uh, shared this with me. You probably be, uh, because of this political season, You've probably heard of this movement called QAnon. Have you, have you heard of QAnon? Yes, this is, a, you know, there is a lot of controversy with QAnon. Uh, this is a movement that is very conservative, but a, very extremist, if you will. And, and they, they, they have some strange beliefs and, and, and that kind of thing. But uh, an article came out uh, uh, about two weeks ago that I read. And... You know, obviously, the, the, the writer of this article was attacking uh, QAnon because of their extremism and, and their weird st- beliefs and ideas. But they go on to say, these, and I'm paraphrasing here, this movement is much like the Millerites and the Seventh-day Adventists. And they mention Seventh-day Adventists twice in that article. Now, we have nothing to do with these people, but what ends up happening the person that reads the article will say they're much like Seventh-day Adventists. So when we're out there, Seventh-day Adventists are proclaiming this message. Oh, there's all the people that are associated with QAnon. They're crazy. You see how Satan is working overtime to discredit the message? This is what makes me believe he must be worried about something. He must be aware that the something is happening and he's making a working overtime. And friends, we should not be blind about this. But we're blinded by who knows what. We're not aware of the times that we're living in. One of the characteristics of this election season, like perhaps those before, is that nobody likes the candidates. One is seen as immoral, and the other one is seen as a man who's lost his mind. But they, like all of us, have flaws in their characters. Now, some say that these flaws in their characters make them unfit to be president. Now, and because of this, because of these flaws in the character, some people have decided not to vote at all. Now, again, I, I don't mean to get political here uh, uh, because, you know, I know that some, in following their conscience, are, are not involved in politics. Uh, uh, but others are, obviously. And, and, and because maybe the, 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 uh, the flaws in character of these, of these men... Some who choose to participate and be involved are are primarily involved because of the issues in the country. And I would submit to you that's the reason why we should be. Not because of these men or who they are, it's because of what's best for the country. Okay? But the fact of the matter is, still, people are involved in spite of them. In spite of them. Pastor, the things that are happening in this country are crazy. It's going downhill. We got to do something. But I want to submit to you that the things happening in our country is not just our country. They're happening around the world. 
And there's happening because, again, Satan knows the time. He's working overtime. He knows, you know, everything is going to hell in a handbasket. Why? Because the end of all things is at hand, friends. And as Christians, we're blind to the times that we're living in, and either we're not choosing God or we're making a verbal declaration of our choice with God but not backing it up with our actions. Mm. Now think about it. If the current issues in our country are a reason, a good reason enough for us to be involved and participate and vote in spite of the clear flaws that these men have, how much more important it is to choose God who gave his son for us so that all who believe in him may not perish but have everlasting life. Well, many a Christian is passionate about this election season. I, I, I you know, if... If you, I don't know, if you knew me back in 2016, you would know that, that I was very involved in, in the election season. Not this time around. Not this time around. But many are passionate. And because of this, this issue of the social media post that I quoted, this is why that's happening. But I'm wondering, are you passionate about God and his kingdom? Are we passionate about that? Because it is his kingdom that we should be in search of and not the things of this world that keep us busy and rob our time and what belongs to God. We should be seeking the eternal kingdom, not nothing here. Now, I know, yeah, you know, we have to try to, you know, we have to live and work in this, in this world and we, in this country and try to make things at least bearable. And this is why some people are voting. But the fact is, no matter who wins... No matter who wins, friends, things are going to happen exactly like God said it would happen. Nothing is going to change that. Nobody's going to change that. It's going to take place that way. And we should know that. We, we are students of prophecy. We know that the kingdom of God is at hand. Daniel chapter 2. You remember Daniel chapter 2, right? The statue and all the medals. We are living in, in the time of the tolls and the mixture of clay and iron. And what happens next? The stone that comes up, uh, you know, from the sky and, and it destroys all the empires of the world. And that kingdom is the kingdom of God. And that kingdom will not be destroyed. That's the kingdom I want to be part of. And that's what we should be in search of. So we should be intentional of seeking this kingdom because, friends, this world has nothing to offer us and it's not our home in the first place. This is not our home. You may remember when Jesus was brought before Pilate, he was being questioned by Pilate. Jesus said to him in John 18, 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so, I, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from here. And friends, if you're a follower of Christ, then your kingdom is not from here either. You're not. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first what? The kingdom of God. Not this kingdom. Don't seek here anything, because this is temporary. The kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God knows what you need. You know, sometimes we're too concerned about, okay, well, you know, I'll vote for this guy, because this guy's going to give me X, Y, and Z, and I need this and this and that and the other. God knows what you need before uh, a Trump or Biden know. 
And he will provide it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You know, nothing should take priority over, over Jesus and his eternal kingdom. Because you see, Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could have a better car. So that you could have a bigger house. So you could, so you could have a, a comfier job or better health insurance. He died on the cross to forgive us of sins and to give us, to give us the, the health insurance that we need, eternal life. It's good to have those things, you know, the, the, the car and the big house and all those things are nice and, and, and everything. And God often gives us those things if he sees fit. But we must not forget that all those things are temporary. And the day is going to come when they're all going to be burned up. And if we value those things more than our time with God, more than our relationship with God, guess what? We're going to burn up right with them. You may have read outside uh, uh, the sign on, in front of the church. I actually posted it on, on our Facebook page, but it asks the question, confused about the election? Choose Jesus. He keeps his promises. Because, you know, politicians always promise so many things, right? They promise you prosperity and peace, safety, lower taxes, a pie in the sky. But if, if there's an, another qualification for someone to make them a politician is that they never deliver. And so, friends, you know, with respect, if you think that Trump or Biden is going to be an answer to the problems of this country and this world, you're going to be highly disappointed. Because neither of them is the answer. The solution to the problems of this world is Jesus Christ. And it is he that we should be searching, friends. Jesus always keeps his promises. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's his promise. You can take that to the bank. Yeah. That's where I want to be in his kingdom. And, and, and if that's where you want to be, then the choices that you make on a daily basis should show that. Because our choice matters. One of, the, one of the phrases you've, you've heard many times in the last four years, really, is that elections have consequences. Have you heard that before? Our choices, friends, have consequences. What will you choose? Who will you choose? Who will get your vote? There's a movie from the 80s. You know me in the 80s. The title of the movie is Casualties of War. And it tells the true story of, of a squad of soldiers that fought in the Vietnam War. And while they were there, they, they, they both saw and participated of some terrible things. And, and one of the crimes they participated of was to abduct and to rape a young Vietnamese girl. Again, this is a true story. Um, and the lead role of the, of the, of the, of the movie is played by uh, Michael J. Fox. He, he takes on the character of Private Erickson. A soldier who, although was part of the squad, did not participate of the rape, of the abduction and the rape of this young girl. And, um, and he struggles with what happens, and, and he says to the other men in his squad, just because each of us might at any second be blown up, we're acting like we can do anything we want, as though it doesn't matter what we do. Well, I'm thinking it's just the opposite. Because we might be dead in the next split second, maybe we got to be extra careful 
with what we do. Because maybe it matters more. Maybe it matters more than you'll ever know. Friends, this world, I don't think, has, is going to last much longer. And there's going to be two sides in, in this. Isn't that interesting? Much like now with the election season, right? There are two sides. Unfortunately, maybe with the election season, both sides are, we can't trust either of them. But you have the choice to choose the side of the God who gave it all for you or to be on the other side. The end will come soon. And because the end comes, is coming soon, friends, the choices we make, the things that we do, the way we show God of the choices we make matters. Maybe it matters more than you'll ever know because of the issues. And so, friends, I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to make the right choice. I want to challenge you to make Jesus the priority in your life. That nothing and nobody should come in your life before Jesus Christ. That's what we must choose. That nothing uh, should come in between the, uh, 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 his desire of him, of you being part of his eternal kingdom. The kingdom, and he is already preparing, and I will submit to you, he's almost done preparing it. And he said that when he's done preparing it, he's coming back. We can take that to the bank, friends. I challenge you to, to, to fear the Lord, to serve him in sincerity and in truth, to put away the gods that are taking his place. Do you accept that challenge today? Do you accept the challenge? If you accept the challenge, I'd like you to stand where you are. Stand where you are. Now, again, if, if you're not accepting the challenge, if you don't care, if you think this is all baloney, then you can stay sitting down. Now, this, 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 this accepting this challenge, this is not the challenge of Pastor Mercado, although I'm saying I'm, I'm challenging you, but I believe God is challenging us to show with our lives and the decisions that we make and everything in our lives that he, we have chosen him and his kingdom. This is what he wants. Because, friends, I think that it's not time to play church anymore. It's time, that time is, is finished. The time is at hand. Let's commit ourselves, our families, our money, our very lives to the Lord. But we have to make a choice. And if it seems evil for you to serve the Lord, if you think this world has something better to offer you than, 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 than what God is offering you, then you choose Choose today whom you will serve. But as for me, in my household, we're going to serve the Lord because Jesus is a better choice. Amen? So I, I want to I, I ask you, as we close our, our service with number 309, this is a, our closing hymn, I Surrender All. We know this song very well. We've sang it many times. But, you know, I, I really want us to sing this like, like, like it matters. Like your life depends on it, because this is what it's all about. Our choice to surrender to God. So as we sing the song, that the people may out, outside hear something strange happening in that church. People are singing about surrendering to Christ like they mean it. Thanks for joining us. If you're ever in the Nashville area, come and visit us at the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. We're located at 2800 Blair Boulevard in Nashville, Tennessee. You may also visit us at nfsda.org.